Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Dylan. Hey, how's it going? Doing good, bud. Good. Um, we are talking about hospitality today. Yeah. Glad you guys are listening. Um, everything is on YouTube and all these podcast platforms, but you know that by now. But um, really just wanted to dive right into the material, into the content. So I have a question for you starting out here. Sure. It's trivia time with Dylan. <laughs> is you, you told me that you were throwing a yes, curveball. Yes, this is the curveball. But I I'm thought gonna it was going to be I've worked, I've worked with you for over a year, but known you for a while. So we're going to see how well you actually know me. If I go to Cracker Barrel, <laughs> which is one of the best restaurants on the planet... In my personal opinion, there's a lot of gifts there. Yep, a lot of gifts. Old candy. The food is like my in-laws so swear good. that it's the best fried chicken on the planet. So if I go to Cracker Barrel, yeah, what are the two options I'm going to get? It's one of two. As far getting, as food that, that you like, food oh, there. Dylan, <laughs> who the heck knows, man? Um, let's see, Dylan Whitaker. Oh. Is it barbecue related? It's not barbecue. Oh, it isn't. Because no. you ate that at no. uh, Loveless Cafe. is good, but that's a Loveless. If you go to Loveless Cafe, well, is it, if okay, you're is in Nashville. It, is it the country fried steak? Almost. Chicken fried. Country, country fried, fried chicken. chicken. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's or what chicken thinking. fried chicken. Chicken fried yeah. chicken. Is one. And then what else? Or it's going to be the roast beef. Roast beef. Okay. Yeah. So you're always going to have terribly. on your side, your sides are always going to be green beans, <laughs> hash brown casserole, and fried apples. Okay, so are you, you're did go. you did you sign a contract with Cracker Barrel? I didn't. This and is and I this didn't is, know about it. This is un, this is just uh, what you <laughs> wanted to talk about for a long time. That's <laughs> <laughs> so when I like think of things to talk about. Right. All you're really thinking about it's is food. dinner. It's food and yeah. lunch. I think it's yeah. just being honest. It's really good. Cracker Barrel is good because they're everywhere. Yeah, and they're dependable, and they're not terribly pricey based on how much food actually True. costs True. right now. The lead in here is though uh, the term southern hospitality has <laughs> I see what you did. You're the <laughs> clever one. Going, you are cle- segue segue into the hospitality <laughs> here. So <laughs> you need a segue just ask Dylan. <laughs> Uh, that is very true, and one thing that they pride themselves on is their hospitality. I think that has become sort of a, a hallmark mm-hmm. for a lot of family-style restaurants. Yep. At least that's what they want to. Yeah. I was watching this undercover boss clip uh, <laughs> of the Boston Market. You remember that place? The uh, Boston Market where you go and, and you kind of order food, and whether you take it or stay and eat it, it's up to you, but it's okay. like more of a diner type thing. Gotcha. And the undercover boss was just like completely livid because she goes, of course, undercover, and this one guy is working the counter, he forgets that they're all about hospitality and the customer. Right. And she's like, without the customer, you don't have a paycheck. And he just keeps telling her when he doesn't know she's the main boss how yeah. much he hates people. And that also made me think of where we're going today as well. Right. But Southern hospitality is not just secluded to Southerners. Nope. Um, and people would probably argue that if they came from the North and visited the South and maybe True. had an, yeah. an unfortunate experience. But the bottom line here is hospitality is a call to Christians. Yep. Uh, Pastor Neil, this last Sunday spoke um, out of 1 Peter 4, and he mentioned in verse 8 all the way till verse 11, sort of what gave us the idea to talk about hospitality now. Um, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We're familiar with that one. It's a pretty common verse. But then he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And he says, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. He says that same thing about serving so that in all things God may be praised Mm -hmm. uh, through Jesus Christ, of course. And so all of this ends up being about the glory of God and about the holiness of professed Christ followers. And he uses hospitality as sort of his tunnel to express these things. Um, And one danger and one fear, and Pastor Neil mentioned this in the sermon, uh, is I fear we will submit to what the world is considering good enough in terms of people in contact and having people over and developing intimate, vulnerable, accountable relationships within believers. We've mentioned a little bit of that when we discussed the importance of fellowship and the importance of church, and so that tends to always kind of come up in our conversation. But if you realize, you look around, the world has become increasingly less hospitable mm-hmm. and more isolated. Wouldn't you think that that yeah. is an accurate I mean, you know, years and years ago, they, all these movies had these scenarios where everybody was totally, everything was totally digital. You never had to really interact with each other face to face. And everything was cool that way. And everybody went, cool, sci-fi, it's never going to really happen. Mm-hmm. And then you look around nowadays and you see how much we can do without ever coming in contact with each other yeah. just from home. I you remember know, when, now, when you go Wally. shopping from home and <laughs> you yeah. order food and somebody drops it at your front door. Yeah, and, everyone you know. sort of prefers mm-hmm. to shop from home yeah, exactly. and just have Amazon there, which is great. Tech is can have a lot of good things about it. And, but as we look at the technological advancement, we can't There's ignore always the, danger. Yeah. the call to Christ that he's given us people and he's given us relationships mm-hmm. and he's more importantly used our love for people, our care for people, our service for people is sort of a spiritual or holiness barometer and how we feel about him. And because these two commandments are connected, it, it bears repeating, uh, we are called to be hospitable. And so yeah. that's what we're going over uh, this, this round table. Um, to understand first and foremost uh, how we can be hospitable, we need to know what true biblical hospitality means. Um, several verses, several passages throughout the Old and New Testament talk about how the people of God should be set apart by the way they treat people. Mm-hmm. Um, hospitality for those of us still kind of scratching our heads as to exactly what that means, I think we've sort of summed it up in Western culture as good manners or having people over for right. dinner, which does include those things. But it can be defined as the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers, specifically, in a warm, friendly, generous way. In the New Testament, the Greek word translated hospitality literally means love of strangers. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. But it's not even just saying, and we're going to get to this in a second, have your friends over all the time, be around people, because somebody will be like, well, I'm very hospitable. I always have my friends over. This is a bit more engaging the world around you, not to be in the world, but of the world, or not to be of the world, but in the world sort of situation. So hospitality is a virtue that is both commanded and committed throughout Scripture. Uh, the this opinion of Leviticus 19, 33 through 34 that looking at the alien, when an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. This has never been a passage that has taken too kindly to people who mistreat people who are not of them, who are not their lifelong friends, but strangers, aliens, people who need this hospitality. And we even see this uh, during Jesus's public ministry. Yeah, there's a difference between having your friends over for a party and being hospitable. Right. I think we, we, a lot of times equate, well, I have my friends over and we get together every, you know, Tuesday for, right. uh, you know, lunch. And so I think what they mean to say is that they host. Yes. 
Exactly. And hosting isn't necessarily hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, hospitality is a hard issue. Um, and Jesus and his disciples, they were at the mercy, often, of the hospitality of followers and of people in the town. You know, we have Matthew 10, 9 through 10 that teaches us that. Uh, Acts 2, Acts 28. The early Christians, um, all throughout the beginning of the New Testament church, depended on not just that secrecy, uh, but as they were making disciples mm-hmm. and hoping that they wouldn't uh, necessarily be killed by the Romans as they grew the church, but trusting the Lord in everything they do, and many were killed. Uh, but they were dependent completely on the hospitality of people. And so that's sort of the setting that shows that hospitality was necessary. Do we have that setting now? Well, look at the Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews. It reminds us not to forget to entertain strangers. That's for the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. Um, we see in Ephesians 2.10 that Christians are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're committed to good works, well, who do you think these works are directed at? Who do you think the recipients of all these good works, certainly not ourselves, right. uh, but people. And so the idea that we follow Christ immediately uh, corresponds with how we emulate his love and compassion in our showing of hospitality. Um, I'm reminded in Luke when Jesus said, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Well, why would you be blessed? Because Christ taught the greatest Second or the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so all throughout the scriptures, and we can go on and on and on about all of these passages that talk about hospitable behavior and connect it to Christ Jesus, but when it becomes about the application, when you get to the part of the sermon that says, okay, how do I do this? Um, this isn't my wheelhouse, or some of us might go as far as to misinterpret and say, hospitality is not really my spiritual gift. Okay, well, we need to it's sort of... It's a biblical command for everybody. Right. <laughs> you can't <laughs> yeah, blame it on spiritual gifts here. <laughs> spiritual gifts often get <laughs> They the take a blame. lot of blame. <laughs> they do. It's like, let me figure out... I think people look for their spiritual gifts so they can justify not doing anything else outside right. a spiritual gifting, as if everyone only had one, which is the sort of funny part of the whole thing. Yeah. But and we I think need it's to, a, yeah, important to understand that um, you know, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, it talks about neighbors. Right. And our neighbor has nothing to do with uh, where we live, the geography, the citizenship, or even, you know, our race, right. especially our race. Yeah. Um, our neighbors are our fellow human beings that yeah. God has, puts us in contact with. And I can't think of a more important thing to highlight when talking about Christian relationships mm-hmm. or how Christians should be in relationships to other people in a world that's so easily divided on so much nonsense and some important matters, but yeah. still camping in those environments. Yeah. Um, when we talk about hospitality and inviting people in, yes, we need to be looking out for our neighbor, our actual neighbor, and people who we may not consider our neighbor yet, but, yeah. but trusting the Lord in those relationships. And when he reveals people to you that you can serve, that you can help, that you can love, to do that, to walk forward in wisdom and in faith and do that. And I think that's a really important message because we're not just isolating ourselves physically. We get online and we isolate yeah. ourselves in our own opinions yeah. and sort of put them in the same category as the gospel itself. And we can't do that, and we're not allowed to do that. God has not given us permission to do that, which is the most important thing. But I think we verified who our neighbor is, why we should be hospitable, how this connects to relationships. Uh, there is no getting around it. The Bible... Uh, commands hospitality. It is all over the Bible. In fact, it's so important to God that when Paul lists out the traits necessary for a man to be qualified for the office of elder or pastor or bishop in a local congregation, 
we find that he must be what? Above Possibly. reproach. Everyone loves that. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable. I'm on board. I get it. And this is hospitable. Hospitable. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> really? Hospitable. Why is that important? As in opening one's home, as in mm-hmm. able to teach. And I, I don't know, man. I feel like some part of pastoring, especially the larger a church gets, there's a lot of pastors who sort of feel completely fine uh, rearing back, just kind of being completely out of the cultural zeitgeist in their church. I mean, they're Sundays and Wednesdays. Yeah, like I preached, I did my job, and now my home's not open anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're never doing that, but I think it's an easy thing to kind of just say, right. I'm peopled out. Yeah. You know, that's an honest sort of approach to this. It's like, oh, but I'm just, what if my job is people? Or what if I'm a nurse? And I'm like just talking to people all day, and the Bible doesn't really give any if ands, or buts here. It just kind of says you have opportunity to open up your home. In other words, why do you think I gave you a home? Yeah. Like, why do you, why do you think I blessed you with a home so that you and your right. family would be tempted with convenience and comfort for the rest yeah. of your life? And no, it's to invite we'll, people in. We'll get to this in a little bit, but it's sometimes easier for certain personalities versus other personalities. And I think, of course, this is so, where it's heading because yeah. you can sound so, okay, it does say this. There's no getting around it. I may need, need to look at my own life and mm-hmm. say, am I a hospitable person? I'm not just hosting my friends over. Right. Am I being a hospitable person, inviting people in with generosity and kindness, mm-hmm. or am I sort of taking in too much of what the world thinks about people, the, right. the very popular attitude that comes with just being sort of selfish and an elitist, mm-hmm. And saying, well, people are just getting my nerves. I'm so peopled out. I yelled at someone in traffic. I was done at the cashier line. So, like, I'm going to go home. And you know what? I I earned this time. I need me time. Yeah. And the gospel is pretty clear. We don't really want to get into what we've earned. Because it's a whole bag of nothing (laughs) based on merit. Uh, In fact, there's one thing we've earned, but we'll save that for another uh, podcast. But it might not be a very popular command. uh, As Matt Chandler says, and he's writing an article on um, hospitality, He says, uh, it might not be in our cynical, polarizing, critical, dumpster fire culture that a warm dose of welcoming hospitality will take some folks by surprise and open up the door for opportunities to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but might it not be? So that's his sort of forward is, don't you think that the world so bent the other way Mm -hmm. that if Christians were to really gather around this biblical command to be hospitable Christians, to be people, who want to invite people in who maybe not are their best friend. Right. But actually want to get to know people that are, I don't know, hard to get to know. Yeah. Like not difficult. the easiest people to get along with. We we want to know why we're not growing. Maybe it's because we're not challenging ourselves. Um, a lot of the commands of Christ involve so much sacrifice and submission to his will and not our own and to challenge. And I think this is absolutely one of those things because we're not sitting here pretending this is always the easiest thing for you and I to do yeah. or our families to do. But speaking of, one of the first families that ever invited my family over when we got to Amelia Baptist Church was your family. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. I do. And um, it's been something that my parents have always uh, felt is important. And I've been blessed to get to know people through hospitality. Um, and we, the way we did it, we just set it aside tonight. Um, Thursday nights was our night to have somebody over. So you kind of um, designated one we night designated a week? designated a, ni- a night a week. It didn't mean every Thursday we had somebody, but Thursday nights were when we were going to do it. And so mm-hmm. if dad met somebody at work or uh, somebody at church or out in the community, Thursday was a night we could say, hey, y'all have plans Thursday? You want to come over for dinner Yeah, and do that there? How do you think people um, respond now to even hearing you say, you give one night a week. That is, that is having people over in your home four times a month. Well, as you know, recently we've uh, 
we've upped that a little bit. It's <laughs> yeah, all people so are always, people are always at our house now. Like stay. But, um, yeah. Like they wait know, for the, they wait for the vacancy yeah. sign out front and <laughs> just pull up in their bus and their uh-huh. free speech bus. Right. Yeah. So, exactly. I don't know who that is. Who but, could that be? Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but we have all of these opportunities. Yes, like but you said. it has been a blessing. I know for our family to be able to get to know people on yeah. a deeper level than that, and like I think. Looking back, that's really where our friendship started yeah. between our families. I mean, yeah. just that initial meal, getting to know each other, um, and we kind of connected there. And from then on, it's it opens kind of the door for new, that. Yeah, I think it's its own category of when you have people come to the church within the church, inviting people over, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a second because we do want to leave you with application with actual practical ways. Part of what we do in the round table is not just to kind of tell you things you may already know and struggle with, and then leave you struggling. We want to give you some ways. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Enjoy your chemistry. Uh See you tomorrow. Uh, We want you to really understand that there are actual good ways that have worked to practice hospitality. I think um, I would add that. I would add baking a night a week or a night every two weeks. Whatever you you can start with and do. Maybe you don't have to hit the ground running Maybe so once much. A month. Maybe once yeah. a month because you it's just been six months and you've only had your family members over and like your two best friends mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, are you meeting or running into enough people? And I think that could also be a mirror of your evangelism, right? Your personal evangelism, your mission in that. Yeah. We so, have four ways uh, that we're going to talk about real quick for people. To yeah. So do how, the this. question is, how do we show hospitality mm-hmm. today, right? Because these were the New Testament. Church uh, scenarios given to us all the way from Matthew to the book of Acts and into Corinthians. But uh, one of the first things we recommend is to welcome everyone you meet. Uh, Why is that? Why is that even on here? Why is that like, you know, because that seems like such an honest, oh, open. Of course I am. I feel like I'm a very welcoming person. Uh, Why would we tell people to do that? Because. It's the thing to do in the south. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. The first thing I thought of is how... If you, if you don't say hi on the street... Yeah. You know... I think it's more if you don't say hi back. Yeah. If like, you don't look at somebody when you walk and pass yeah. them and at least smile and nod your head, you're not from around here. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Some of this Burn is and getting into southern hospitality. But I think I think people think that... Or they read, welcome uh, everyone you meet, yeah. or they hear, welcome everyone you meet, and they think you're just some rambling psychopath no. on the sidewalk just shouting at people. I think what he's saying is don't move away from a welcome. I think the best thing to do to start things off is literally just remember to greet people. Yeah. I mean, it really shows you how backwards our culture has gotten where we're having to sort of put that out there of, hey, greet people. I mean, they went as far as to greet people with a holy kiss Yeah. Uh, back in the day. So that's an easy thing uh, to do to greet someone or to welcome someone. If you're like me and you're a grade A extrovert. Um, this is easy. This is these kind of things. You're told to shut up more often than you are to speak up. You know, if you're a great, you talk to everybody on the plane when you walk on. Yeah. My wife's like, Adam can make a conversation out of nothing. One of my least favorite episodes in the show friends is like when Ross can't make a conversation (laughs) with Phoebe's boyfriend, Mike, (laughs) and it pains me. I can think of so many things I could ask right now. (laughs) Awful. I'm like doing it for him while watching the show. But I remember that and thinking, Mm -hmm. come on, you know, you should be able to make a conversation. But that's not everybody's gifting. You know, that's a tough thing for a lot of people to do. And I think uh, we've more I've noticed culture awkwardness has become sort of socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, The the what's popular has sort of changed it's not always the major extroverts now mm-hmm. uh it's like the introvert who kind of goes his own way and wants to keep to himself and that's not saying introvertedness is bad none of this is bad or good 
this just shows that you're having different hurdles yeah. where the extrovert needs to practice keeping his mouth shut and listening. The introverts are typically wonderful listeners. What we're talking about is engaging with the heart of hospitality. Mm. Um, but so often the best things to do really at the very beginning is just pray for grace, ask for strength and greet people. Yeah. Start the conversation off with just a, Hey, how are you? And if they end it, they end it. What else can we do but be willing as hospitable people? The second thing is to engage people. This is the next step, right? So you've yeah. greeted someone, you've welcomed them. Let's say they welcome back and they're engaging. And at this point of the podcast, you're probably thinking, is he literally trying to tell us adults listening how to have a conversation with someone? The answer is yes. <laughs> In a way, <laughs> yes. I'm really just trying to encourage you to be hospitable. Right. Remember, my, my subject matter has not changed here. It just does sound like you're yeah. trying. But think about it. I'm going to ask you that because I'm having a conversation with myself basically at this point. Right. Let me ask you if that's what you think I'm doing. When's the last time you've approached a stranger and engaged them? And not just to hear yourself talk. Mm-hmm. but really to show an act of evangelism and, and to know that person is a soul. Uh, Chandler said this in his article, remember that everyone you meet is eternal. I yeah. loved how he put that. You're never meeting a mere mortal. You're never meeting just a human being. You're meeting a soul that has a destination. Right. Everyone you ever meet is a soul that has a destination. Are you treating them that way? Are you mm-hmm. showing initiative in that sense? Because we need to not rem- uh, forget who we are. And that's what's been so great about the book of First Peter is we've been tempted in a place that's just screaming, shut down and isolation and get inside and be safe and be safe and all under the guise of sort of comfort. I'm not saying that some of that hasn't been warranted. I just mean, are we remembering our role even during this that, era yeah. that we are to care about and take an interest into people we meet and come across, that we are to be a good listener, that we can genuinely ask open-ended questions and not just do so because we heard about it on a podcast, but do so because God has equated your love for people with your love for him. And that's where technology can come in and actually be a benefit. Like you can pick up the phone and call somebody that's not your, in your immediate friend group. Yeah. Just check in on them and see how they're doing. Yeah. Uh, And you can encourage them and engage them and really ask, how can I pray for you? Absolutely. I know this has been a hard time this last year. Are what, they on your you mind? Need? Right. Is something they told you previously in the mm-hmm. week? Did you pick up on it because you were genuinely listening? Yeah. You know, it's like your mind, your secretary, always reminding you, hey, remember this, remember mm-hmm. this, remember this. Um, you may think that some of this is obvious, but I, I would argue and say it might be obvious, but you're not doing it. We need to get as a people, we need to get to know others and take an interest in them and listen to them rather mm-hmm. than just trying to think about how we can say something memorable or hilarious. And I promise you, I'm preaching to myself with this. This is a preaching to the choir situation. Um, one thing I will not tolerate uh, in student ministry or young adults ministry, and I will call you out in a second mm-hmm. when, he, when you say it, is the joking phrase, I hate people. Um, I, I get it. I've said it. I understand the frustration yeah. and the level of anxiety and even defeat and depression that can come at the heels of something like that or the beginning of something like that. But in all actuality, if you're saying I hate people, you will train yourself to really go against these commands of Christ to be the church. And actually hate people in and real you life. And <laughs> you will come to gather a disdain mm-hmm. for social interaction and in doing so, defeat the entire mission of Matthew 28. You yeah. won't defeat the kingdom because the kingdom is not bending towards your will and your behavior. It will grow, but you won't be a part of it. And then that loyalty that allegiance will be seen of where you have been 
loyal to. And if you feel that, go back to First John because it says a lot about loving. Uh, the Bible goes, it goes yeah. as far. No, I mean, they think I'm being hard in speech during this. Right. Come on. <laughs> Paul and John, they're just letting they people just, have it. They they're saying it, basically yeah. in First John, I think it's 315, the Bible basically says there is no man who hates people and loves God. He's like, if you hate you people, one. yeah, I think it's if you hate man, you're a murderer. And then John goes, and you know where murderers go. And he's referring back to Jesus's words yep. when Jesus says to have hate in your heart. Because right. he's like, what about murderers? They're going back to the Ten Commandments. You know, yeah. what about them? They don't go to heaven. He's like, you're right. Now, have you ever murdered someone? The person's like, no. And he's like, brother, you've carried hate in your heart towards individual. So I can't think of anything more important than in your pursuit of being Christ to others, being Christ-like to yeah. others, than going away from that cultural acceptance of that phrase, I hate people, and start mm. diving into sacrifice, right. schedule, right. reason. Um, number three, dinners and Sundays, lunches. And this is what kind of uh, moved into the, your family's story about go, having a dinner uh, a week uh, that was designated for yeah. people. Uh, eventually you got to that. The Bible over and over again talks about the holiness of eating together. Mm. And it's not just about the food, contrary to what Baptists would like that to be. Not the banana pudding and fried chicken. <laughs> no, this no. is not. Bummer. No, we, you're in like a you're in a Cracker Barrel state of mind. <laughs> I am. This round Why do you table. think I started at with that? At this point, like, Clay's going to put some type of like food. image of Cracker Barrel <laughs> yeah. in here. And we're going to get sued for copyright infringement. Yeah. But the Bible says that we are to be holy. So why would the Bible use uh, eating? Why would the Bible use dinner? Well, eating is like the the most basic thing that we have to do three times a day. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it. Yeah. And it's like the also. You know, think about the dinner table, and that's where a lot of the major conversations, at least in my family, happen, was around the dinner table. When everybody got together and sat down, that's when the fellowship and the conversations really happened. In our family, it was a lot of yelling. Um, it wasn't like that hate. was a conversation. It wasn't hate, but it was, yeah, yeah yelling yeah. over each other. So some people have louder conversations. <laughs> my grandfather <laughs> always asks for his dessert at the same time he asks for his meal. Uh-huh. So that he can eat both and just leave because he just <laughs> doesn't. He's like, I showed up, I love you, but I can't handle the. Yelling. I would add in here, I you know, there's probably several people right now that are going, I'm a horrible cook. There's no way I would be able to make a meal. DoorDash, and have man. People come in. Uber and, eats, and it doesn't mean you have to cook. Order pizza, right. you know. Get DoorDash. Have a dessert. Have people come over for dessert and just sit around and talk. What, what I love about there. this is it's. Almost like when this is seen in the scriptures, it's like a way out for those who have trouble getting this conversation going. Like, yeah. we gave you the food. We're eating around something. We're doing something out of not just thankfulness. I also think it gives people an opportunity to show their thanks to the Lord mm -hmm. because food is also very much associated from an Old Testament culture yeah. with sacrifice and with thankfulness to the Lord for eating. That's one thing we often take for granted. Um, but I think, too, dinners are for... Uh, and Sunday lunches specifically, when you're going to the worship service, look out for new faces and invite them to go eat somewhere because yep. that's something you're typically doing anyway on Sunday afternoon. Right. Make someone else a part of that and don't have to do it every Sunday. Do it as the Lord leads. Do right. it as the opportunity presents itself or try to do it once a month. Say, honey, we're going to try to do it once a month. Or if you're not married, gather your friends around and say, hey, guys, we're going to take so-and-so mm -hmm. out to make them feel welcome and included. Remember, it's not pastors that grow the church. It's people that, be, that are the church inviting people and developing relationships that grow an organic, growing church. Um, it's opening your life and your house to those who believe differently than you not just your best friends forever that you have no problem loving because they're basically right. echo chambers yeah. of your thoughts. And that leads us into number four. The final there. thing, don't forget the outsider. This is ambassador. This is what I get really going for. This is like ambassador living 101. This is how 
you can practice being a missionary here. In every work environment, in every neighborhood, there are people who, for whatever reason, are always outliers. They're always on the fringe. They, they've seen themselves like that for years. I used to think of myself like that. I still do in so many capacities. I'm like the only guy in my Sunday school class that doesn't shoot like for fun, like a gun. Mm-hmm. And I, I like shooting. I enjoy going to a range. It's an, I have a gun. But man, some of the guys I roll with are just like insane. Like they're crazy about it, really love doing it, and I applaud them for it. But I feel like I'm on the fringe. I feel like a total outlier with that. But what's one thing you can do? Invite someone out, maybe to do something new. Uh, These men and women are all around you who feel anxious. Anxiety is a real key word here now. People are so anxious uh, all the time, and we need to be gracious to them and show mercy to them. And so we really have a world that needs to come together around the gospel, and how are we going to do that if people who know the gospel and are professing Christ aren't the ones Mm -hmm. gathering people? Um, but we see this a lot in our First Peter series yeah. that's on in Sunday mornings. Keeping right an eternal perspective. Yeah. So. And even if it means suffering, even if it means removing your convenience or comfort, yeah. uh, allowing God uh, to work in your life through obedience. And what I mean allowing God is he's going to do it anyway, but he does he, his work through holiness and right. through the obedient uh, Christ followers. And he, the Holy Spirit is what makes us obedient. And so I, I get that. And I remember being a part of a personal evangelism course with Timothy Booker at uh, Southern Seminary. He's a great friend. You met him when we went to SBC Nashville. And he had this great idea in his, one of his books about if you've moved to your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We have a culture right now of Christians who are desperate to go for a week in Jamaica or a week in, you know, uh, overseas or, you know, even Uganda. Just leave with their church and go somewhere. And I, don't, I love international missions. Yeah. I understand that. Um, Don't forget the mission field. But man, you live in a neighborhood <laughs> right full of people you. all yeah. the time. And that was real impressive mm-hmm. uh, when I went with your family. We used to meet in the mornings and run and things, and every neighbor knew who the Whitakers were. I thought that that was a real cool testament to what a Christian should do. And we, I felt so guilty before because when you're living next to someone for six or seven months and they walk outside and you accidentally talk to them while you're mowing your grass and they're mm-hmm. like, you're a pastor? And you're just like, goodness gracious, what am I even preaching? Like at this point, am I even doing, am I doing anything I've asked my church to do? And Um, and we kids helped our parents really get to know the neighbors because we kicked the ball or shoot the arrow (laughs) into the backyard of the neighbor next door. Right. And then you you have to go meet them. That's God redeeming your annoying (laughs) kids. (laughs) But but I thought he had a great idea in overcoming the uh, walls of witnessing. Get that packet. It's like very thin. It's available on Amazon. Overcoming Walls of Witnessing by Timothy Booker. You will not be disappointed. It's so practical. Timothy Booker's why really why I yeah, ask yeah. Uh, why I ask servers if there's anything we can pray for when I go out yep. to eat. He just started me out on a lot of that really really cool stuff. But one thing he said to do is once uh, every couple of months or once a quarter, just have a cookout in your front lawn yeah. and just a couple of days before or a week before. Make sure your neighborhood knows. And now it's even easier because everyone has like these HOA Facebook pages. You're right. And exactly. you're like, hey, we're just cooking burgers and dogs out here and make that a part of like your giving uh, support like that yeah. for local evangelism. I just think that's a great idea. I would love for every family in our church to do Something that. Something cool we did um, in our old neighborhood was we had a movie on the front of the house. Yeah. On the uh, right there on the garage door. Yeah. And we picked a movie. At the time, fri- Fireproof was a new one that had to come out. And it was like, hey, Kirk. you want to come out? Yeah. And uh, everybody knew Growing Pain. Kirk Cameron. Yeah. And so, you know, invited all the neighbors, had, you know, movie snacks and chili and that kind of just stuff. Blasted and just, on the front just, of the house? Yep. And awesome. put speakers outside. Did you have, like, old couches in the front yard? No, not quite. <laughs> everybody a, brought a lawn oh, chair. Like a blanket so, or a lawn yeah. chair. Cool. Yeah. And so that's, that's amazing. The stuff like that you can do. 
you people are creative. Mm-hmm. If we just have to try, and we have more, it takes a little effort. We have more available yeah. to us right now than we ever have to get this stuff done. And so let's not ignore this amazing commandment that will grow our churches. We don't need pragmatic programs and a bunch of you know sweaty, upset, anxious pastors yeah. to grow our churches. The Holy Spirit grows our churches, but He does so through the church. Um, and remember the whole reason for this. The whole reason for the hospitality command is that God has you where he has you for a reason that you are there every day you wake up and go to work it's not meaningless you are a christian among people who are not christian you have souls around you who need to hear and see the gospel of jesus christ in action so the reason we want you to be hospitable is because we want you to grow in holiness and we want god's glory and god is glorified when we obey what he has commanded us to do Mm -hmm. so that's our charge for you to be hospitable and uh, please email or message us for any questions at all. If you if you have an awesome addition, something that you do yeah. that is hospitable, put that you're like, oh, below. yeah, we do that in our neighborhood. Yeah. Put in the comments below on our YouTube channel or send us an email so we can add it and talk about it next time we get together. Right. Right. All right. You doing all right, Dylan? Oh, yeah. All right, man. We'll talk cool. to you later. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, God bless. Mm-hmm.